Now for our sermon for today, Pastor Steve Andrews. The frantic parent said, stop! As the little child began to run out into the street, stop! Don't do it. Don't run into the street. Stop! And we hope that that child heard that message. <laughs> Don't we? We hope. Because as parents, when we tell our children no or stop, we want them to hear. And we want them to stop. We want them to pay attention. Because it might mean the difference between life and death. Because if that little child ran out into the street because it didn't pay attention when the parents said stop, that life would end and that child would be no more. Well, God's the same, th same way. He wants us to stop certain things. And so in the Bible, He gives us what I call God's stop signs. There's stop signs everywhere in today's society. When I was a young kid and first starting to drive, there wasn't so many stop lights as there was stop signs. And uh, so today the bad part about it is a lot of people don't really pay much attention to stop signs. They like to run through them and it's kind of scary out there. But God has given certain stop signs. And those stop signs are the words no, none, not and neither. And it's interesting how many times they're used in the scriptures too. Because the word no is found 1316, in 1,316 verses 1,393 times. Now not all of those words are no's for, for our consumption. But they're there. The word none, 341 verses, 358 times. The word not, boy, this is, this is in there a lot. 5,582 verses, 6,597 times. That is an important word. And neither, 802 verses, 879 times. Man found, our first parents, found that word no right from the beginning, didn't they? We are all familiar with that very, very beginning when in Genesis, the second chapter, God told them, this is something you're not to be doing. Genesis 2, verses 15 and through 17. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of, the, of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And the Lord said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a help meet. And they both, through the deception of Satan and their own desires, did what God said not to do. And that is to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so consequently, God 
had to, to deal with mankind down through the ages. And he gave man many, many things that man could live by. First of all, he gave him the Ten Commandments. And in those, and we'll go to Exodus, the 20th chapter. We're very familiar with these, but read it again. What I want to do is focus on these words so that they're, in a way, these are like spiritual and mental stop signs for each of us. As we read them and think about them, think about how God is, is reaching out to us and saying, no, son, no, daughter, don't do this, stop doing this. Don't even go there. In some instances, God doesn't even want us to know how bad it is, even though sometimes we do find out. In Genesis 20 and verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. And we, Lawrence went through these before, but I'm just pointing this out in Leviticus, the 26th chapter. Once again, about idols. And how many times God told them, You shall not, you shall make you no idols. No idols. None whatsoever, nor graven images. Don't get down and start carving anything. Neither, here we go again, neither rear you up a standing image. Oh boy, Nebuchadnezzar didn't believe that one very well. <clears throat> neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. So, he had concern for his children, concern for his creation. And so he gave us these wonderful no's, none's, nots, and neither's. And they're spiritual, aren't they? They're something that we can understand that we are not to do. If we go back to Exodus, the 20th chapter, in the beginning of verse 13, we learn some things about life. Because... Our relationship with one another is, is, is very important. And we, we live on a, a planet with a lot of people. And even in the United States, there's a, there's a lot of people. And the first, uh, these commandments that, that he brought are all so beautiful. In verse 13, it says, you shall not kill. What has gotten into our young people today? I have to just muse and think about it. I am so... Um, Concerned because when I was at the age of 20, 21 years old, there was no thought of going out and killing somebody. But we just had a young man of 21 years old go into a church and kill nine people, and he probably wanted to kill more. And he had no remorse. It was just like, this is, this is normal. You just have all this hatred, and you just take it out on people. Thou, you shall not kill. Thou shall not kill. Recently, here, close by, Henrietta, just south of us, 20 years old, 20 years old, no remorse. Again, no remorse. Took two knives, killed her former boyfriend. 20, year, 20 years old. What's going on, brethren? What has happened to the society that we live in? Important here, you shall not commit adultery. 
how much better would our society be if we understood this? And that's not the only part of that, because God goes on to show all of these other sins that go with that, all the sexual sins that go with that in his word. And I have some more to say about that a little later in the message, because like Matt, I'm very concerned about what's happened in our nation. With this... um, Supreme Court decision, it does make it more difficult in this life for us who believe in what God says in his word to not do the things that they are wanting to do. Brian, I would like to skip the next uh, two uh, two of them, Leviticus 7 and Genesis 4, because... My, as I began to think about it, my, my heart was more into to what was going on um, with this, this whole thing that has come down from the Supreme Court. And so I'd like to go to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and verse 9, if we could. Now, by the way, let's, let's finish this out. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's uh, house, or you shall not cover your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So if we can see, again, all those little signposts that says, stop, no, don't, do it. You shall not covet. What would happen if no one stole, no one coveted, no one bore false witness? This world would be so much better. It's going to be the kingdom of God. That's what it's going to be. We will have the kingdom of God when all of those things are no longer a problem in the society that we live in. But while we live in this society, they're there. People covet their neighbor's house, their neighbor's wife, their neighbor's anything and everything. Uh, So let's go to 1 Corinthians 6 chapter. Because I've been thinking about a lot about this, It says here in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. And so he says, Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Paul did not mince words. These are very strong words. These are things that are written in the, in the Word of God, and they're powerful words, and they're powerful messages, and they should have been a powerful message for our Supreme Court, but they didn't, they didn't pay attention. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortionists shall inherit the kingdom of God. They're going to be excluded from the kingdom of God. They're not going to have a place in the kingdom of God. Thankfully, he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, or washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. I'm thankful for the blessing of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and that blood that washes us clean from that, and the washing of the word that cleanses us from those things. Understand, brethren, 
that the things that we have just witnessed, the things that have just come about through the Supreme Court, as Matt said, has put all those who believe in the Word of God in a very difficult situation. We are now on the line because we are against that. We know where that leads. In Leviticus, the 20th chapter, you don't have that one, Brian, but I'm just going to go over there real quick. And let's see what God says. It's very plain. If a man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. In that day, in that age, they, should, they were put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's an, and the abomination is a detestable act. That's, that's what God said. My, I have one of those Bibles where in the Old Testament, whatever God said was in red. Well, mine is in bright red. And that's what God said. And so we believe the Word of God, don't we? We understand what it says. And we believe it. In Revelation, the 20th chapter, going back to those things that I had already in uh, my notes to Brian, because I did want to change a little bit. Revelation 20 and verse uh, 15 it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is serious, brethren. The word of God is serious. God doesn't mince any words. Someday there will be judgment. He says in verse 8 of, verse, of chapter 21, The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Brethren, if they don't repent, if they hold to this, they will burn in the lake of fire. The Bible says so. I believe the Word of God. I hope you do too. I have a whole chapter that I didn't give to, to Brian because I want you to just think about, pay attention to what Peter says. It's in 2 Peter, and it's the last part of his message to, that he wrote in his epistle. And I've got to get to it first. In chapter 2, he says, There were false prophets also among the people, even as there are false teachers among you, who secretly shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that, brought, that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of the truth sh shall be evil spoken of. And through covetous, covetousness shall they, be, they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers not. Sounds a lot like the world that we live in today, doesn't it? For if God spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved to judgment. Spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, what was their sin, brethren? <laughs> into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, and making them an example to those that afterwards should live ungodly. 
God is yelling, stop, and we just continue on, isn't he? Aren't we? In a nation that we claim at one time was based on the Bible principles, godly principles, we now have turned our backs on God, and maybe we might be receiving the retribution for what uh, we are doing. I might stop right here because I'm, I was reading all the different commentaries this morning. So I was meditating and thinking about my message. And uh, I think many of you are familiar with uh, James Dobson. Um, he actually wrote a, a little piece here. Well, let's see, I'm going to cancel that. I hope I don't lose it. He said, even though Friday's redefinition of marriage by the U.S. Supreme Court was anticipated, he says, I've found myself grieving over its implications for my country and for Western civilization itself. This radical decree will have a devastating effect on every dimension of culture. I grieve most for what, I will do to, what it will do to our children, our grandchildren, and future generations. They will be taught that right is wrong and wrong is right, and that the teachings of Scripture are unreliable and inaccurate. How outrageous it is that boys and girls, barely out of babyhood, are being introduced to some, in some schools to perverse uh, adult behavior. And it's happening in California, by the way. Soon, public school textbooks throughout the country will be rewritten, re-illustrated to conform to today's, today's ruling. It matters not that these revisions will contradict the beliefs and convictions of their parents. It will soon become the law of the land. Many more vulnerable kids will grow up in homes with same-sex parents, obviously lacking either masculine or feminine role models. They are the real victims of this court's ruling. Adults will suffer too. I believe a, bar, a barrage of court cases has already been planned against those who hold to politically incorrect views of marriage. Many of us will be dragged into court to be prosecuted or subjected to civil judgments. Some will lose their jobs while others forfeit their businesses. Some will be persecuted and ridiculed and fined. Some may go to prison as the years unfold. Since same-sex marriage has now been determined to be a universal human right by the highest court in the land, it will trump religious liberty, churches, seminars, um, churches, seminars, seminaries, Christian schools, businesses, and a host of individual liberties. I also fear that judgment will befall this once great nation. That's not the only one. Many of the Many, many have spoken out against this. There's, uh, there's a cry out there because of what our court has done in stepping on something that, is, that came down from God from the beginning that is so beautiful in the marriage. And yet, we now see a change. Is that what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Did they slowly begin to change? Did they slowly f fall into that? And God finally had to bring his judgment upon those people. Back in Second Peter, to those that afterward should live ungodly. 
This is an example. And they ridicule the Sodom and Gomorrah example. And delivered just Lot, verse 7, vexed with filthy uh, conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Are we like Lot sitting at the doorway of the most vile thing that's going to happen to this nation? It seems like it, doesn't it? It seems like we are now those that are going to be having to be vexed and our children are going to have to be vexed. And we don't know. It might, it might pervert our children. The Lord knows how to deliver the, the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust of the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise governments, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas, whereas angels, which are greater in power, might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling, unstable souls. A heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Cursed children. <laughs> what did I just talk about? Those two 20-year-olds. What are we raising today, brethren? What is this nation raising? A bunch of hate-filled young people? we're going to go out and start killing it's sad it really is which have forsaken the right way gone astray following the way of Balaam the son of Bosor who loved the wages of unrighteousness but was rebuked for his iniquity the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet these are wells without water Clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. That's a powerful sentence. It's almost like this, our leadership has come and there are wells without water. I don't know if you noticed, and I hate to even mention it. Maybe I shouldn't, but the White House was all lit up with a rainbow today. The symbol that God used after the flood because of his, that his covenant, they're now using for the perverseness that they have. And even our president falls within that. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, and through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. 
While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. Oh, we have great liberty in this country, but all of a sudden it's beginning to, to erode because those of us who have really appreciated this country for its liberty, especially its religious liberty, and the ability to speak the words of the, of the Bible and the truth of the, of the Word of God, and now may, may face a, a, a great challenge in this, in this society, in this United States. Because, yes, they, pres they promise liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein, overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. No, and some do. Some who have believed go back into this world. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from, this holy, from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it, hap <clears throat> but it happened to them according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Brethren, I, it's a sad situation, but I don't want to leave any of us with... Uh, a sadness because there are some good things that God says about no and nor and, and those things. So let's, let's go to 1 John. Let's leave this, this heaviness behind as we look at what God says about love. In verse 18 of chapter 4, he says, verse 18 of chapter 4, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. It is interesting. The love of God helps us through all kinds of things. And we're going to read that here in a minute. Going back to verse 17, I'd like to read all, all the way from 17 to 21, because uh, John's words here are very beautiful. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is so are we in this world. Again, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? No, I feel... I feel sadness because there are many out there that are going to be deceived by what um, the media is going to wash over this. They're going to make it sound so wonderful that America has finally come to the rest of the world. And it's going to be a very sad situation in this world. And yet we must love and we must reach out to as many as we can. We must love them. And this commandment have we from him that... He who loves God loves his brother also. Let's see. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 10th chapter. This is one you can turn to even in the times of great trial and great tribulation. It's a very wonderful verse. And it has brought so many of us through many different things in our lives, especially me. I know that I have gone through some things and I have turned to the scripture many times. There's no temptation taking you, verse 13, but such is common to man. 
But God is faithful. God is faithful. Sorry about that. I think this is my problem here. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with that temptation also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. So when the trials and the temptations do come on us, and we do have some things in our life, I mean, it may not even be, we may not even have a problem with what, what just came through. But we always have situations in our own life that we'll have to, to, to go through. And God promises, he's faithful, he'll not suffer us above um, that we are able to go through. And that's a scripture that you can go through many, many times. And be comforted. Um, and also in James, just uh, James 1, 2, and to 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different or diverse trials or temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, entire, Wanting nothing. So we know that as Christians, um, we endure those temptations. We endure those, those, those things that come upon us. In Second Peter 2, and verse 20. Let me find Second Peter again. Second Peter 2, 20 through 20, uh, 20 and 21. Well, let's see. I think I might have put that. Nope, that's not exactly the one I wanted. Anyway, the one I wanted is that uh, no prophecy is of any private interpretation. I'm sure I've written it down wrong somewhere. Anyway. Let's go to Isaiah, the 28th chapter, to match that. Isaiah 28, and here's what, here's what we do. When we need, and we need to search out the Word of God, here's how we do it. This is very important, that Isaiah, the 28th chapter. God has taught us how to look into the Word of God, how to search it out, how to find out what's, what, what this is all about, why this society is the way it is. Why things are going on the way they are. So here's how we do it. This is what we do. In Isaiah, beginning in verse 9. Whom shall you teach the knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. He says, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. He says, for stammering lips and another tongue, he... Uh, will he speak to this people? So we ha what God is saying is we have to search the scriptures. We have to go to the scriptures to learn about his way. We have to understand how to do that. And we do that through the various helps like strong concordance and, and those, uh, and even the, the electronic Bibles that we have, which are a wonderful thing for today. But you must understand that that's what God is trying to teach us and try to help us to understand that we are the ones that, that are, are um, to learn his word and we're to be um, 
sharpen that word so that we're not deceived. We also uh, must be studying his word. It says in, ver in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, this is not that scripture, but this is another one. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So that's how we build an understanding how God is talking to us, what stop signs he has out there for us, what times he tells us no. Because if those are in us and those are mentally a part of us and spiritually a part of us, then we are, we are ready and able to keep that out of our lives. 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. 2 Corinthians 13. Second Corinthians 13 and beginning in verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates. Know you not. Don't you know? Uh, that's, a, that's biblical terminology, but that's what it says. But I trust that you shall know that we are reprobates. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Do no evil. We live in an evil society, brethren. Evil is all around us. The Bible reaches out to us and says, do no evil. Not that we should appear proved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and you are strong, and this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord has given me to the edification, and not to destruction. I imagine Paul was a powerful speaker and probably <clears throat> had them trembling uh, after he got finished talking to them. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be one-minded. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. <clears throat> Greet one another with a holy kiss. That was a custom at that time. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians now. 2 Thessalonians. Find 2 Thessalonians. I know it's in here. It was in here one time anyway. 2 Thessalonians, beginning of verse... Three, chapter 3, verses 16. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly, and not after the tradition, not after the teaching which he received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, 
Neither did we eat any man's bread for nothing, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might be uh, chargeable to any of you. Yes. Three verse sixteen. Oh, I'm in Second Thessalonians three. Oh, he's up to sixteen. Let's see. Where where did I start? Oh, I started on six. I was going to fifteen. I started on six and was going to fifteen. That's what I meant to do. I probably got that wrong for him. I'm sorry about that, Brian. If I if I if I got the wrong the numbers wrong for you. Um, I was only going to go from six to fifteen. He says, not because, verse 9, let's pick this back up, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example to you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this commanded you that if any of you would not work, neither should you eat. This was a problem that they had at that time. They weren't working. And Paul was, was admonishing them. If you're not going to work, you're, you're, you shouldn't eat. And they were being busybodies and everything else. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Be industrious. There's a warning there. But you, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So we're, we're to reach out and to help. Another, some of those signposts. Sorry about that, Brian. I hope I didn't put that down wrong. I was trying to do that early this morning and sometimes I uh, get that wrong. No man can come to the Father except through Jesus, uh, come to Christ except through the Father. Uh, that's John 6, 4, 44. I'm not going to turn to that one. Okay, let's go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. That's right, it's this way. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 9. Let's hope I got this one right. <laughs> Yes. He says, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And so, here's one of the things that, that, that Paul really teaches in, in his word. That after baptism, we have that new man that we need to be nourishing and strengthening. So he says, lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off that old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of the him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free. But Christ is all in all. I think that's extremely important to understand that Christ leveled the playing field for all of mankind at this time. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Above all these things, put on charity, which is love, 
which is the bond of perfectionists. And let the peace of God, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body. And be you thankful. Are we thankful for the calling that we have, what God has given us? Wow, what a, what a blessing that we have. Even though we might face trials and tribulations in personal life or even from outside, we are blessed, brethren. We are really and truly blessed because God has called us and, and we have the kingdom of God just ahead of us. So we heard in that first message. In Galatians 3, just two verses. Galatians 3, 28 and 29. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I love those, script, those two scriptures. I love that. God has put us, Christ has put us into a position in which we have an inheritance so great and so wonderful. It's, sometimes it's just, uh, every time I read these words, when, when that day comes, I'm going to be so rejoicing in that kingdom, looking forward to that day. Let's go to Romans, the 10th chapter, for the last, last verse here. I'm going to finish up. Romans 10. And for the scripture says, oh, let's see, wait a minute, let's go up here. For with, with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the man, mouth confession is made to, uh, to salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich to all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Brethren, we don't know what the situation is and what may be you know, years or uh, before we find out. But we do know that God has given us instructions. He's given us stop signs, the words that uh, we can inculcate into our lives and make a part of us. When we come across one of those no's and nots and neither's and none's, why don't we take a minute and think about it and maybe use it in our life. 